The place for Celtics news. The place for Celtics opinion. The place for Celtics talk. It's Cattles on Causeway. What's up? A lot has changed since the last time we spoke. Cattles on Causeway at Causeway Podcast on Twitter. Again, at Causeway Podcast. You can follow me personally on Twitter as well at Nick C Radio, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, the whole shebanga bank. I'm going to stop saying Cattles on Causeway episode number blah, blah, blah. Enough of that. You guys know by now. And a lot has shifted since last week. You know, we caught up with you as soon as the Kemba Walker news started to trickle out that he was leaning strongly uh, to the Celtics, that he was a strong possibility, quote-unquote, according to Adrian Wojnarowski. And as we know by now, Kemba is a Celtic. That thing is signed, sealed, and delivered. He's a Celtic. Enos Cantor is a Celtic. Al Horford is no longer a Celtic. And let's start there. Horford, I think, first of all, you got to bring up the money. I don't think the Celtics wanted to extend themselves to $25 million per year for a 33-year-old center that's played an awful lot of minutes. I don't think they were comfortable at that number. I think they believed that Horford might take less, and they were hopeful, even possibly as late as this weekend, that he would change his mind, but that was not going to happen. According to some reports out there, Horford had an agreement in place with Philadelphia going back as far as a couple of weeks ago. So this thing was baked in already. Horford had his mind made up pretty much. The money was there. And also, if you read Mark Murphy of the Herald, the opportunity to play at the four position was there for Al. And apparently Al no longer wanted to play the five. Or at least he didn't want to play the five a lot. And we had heard that throughout his Boston career, that he wasn't super comfortable playing in the middle, but he was doing it because he was trying to be the best teammate possible. Now he goes to Philly, and for him, he can play the four, and he can make some big-time bank before he retires. So no hating on Horford for taking that money and getting into a position where he can play a position on the floor that he's more comfortable with. The Celtics were not going to pay him that cash, and they're not going to play him at the four because if you look at this team right now as currently constituted, you have Jason Tatum and you've got Gordon Hayward probably soaking up some power forward minutes. And you drafted Grant Williams. I think Grant Williams can play 10 to 15 minutes this year in his rookie season per game. So the four spot was not going to be Al's in Boston, and the $25 million per was not going to be on the table for Horford from the seas. So he has moved on. We have to move on. The biggest issues without Horford are as follows. His leadership, right? That's something we all talked about for the last three years. A great leader in that locker room. Interior defense. Somebody who's going to be able to protect the perimeter defense once it gets leaky, right? Somebody that's going to be able to communicate to his teammates, make sure everyone is on the same page defensively. Facilitating the offense is something else that Al does a great job of, and he also sets some terrific screens. Let's start with leadership. I'm not worried about it. This team has started to reestablish the culture they had before Kyrie Irving took over, and you can see what they did in the draft, drafting some young men who are absolutely mature in that if you talk to their teammates and then you listen to their coaches and you read scouting reports, they all get it. The personality is there. The leadership is there. The maturity is there. You add Kemba Walker, Marcus Smart, and the newly signed Enos Cancer, who I think is someone who brings that kind of culture to the team. They're fine with leadership. They're not going to miss out a ton in that spot. My own personal opinion, 
but I feel pretty confident in Kemba's ability to be the leader of this team going forward. Facilitating the offense is something else that we look at. I'm not that worried with facilitating the offense either. I mean, you look at Kemba's ability to run the offense. You look at Jason Tatum's ability in the pick and roll and to help run the offense. You look at Gordon Hayward, who was terrific in Utah on the ball, and he could not do that a lot last year because of Kyrie. Hayward will have the basketball an awful lot this season. He will initiate the offense. And Marcus Smart will also help initiate the offense. So as far as enough guys that can handle and facilitate the basketball, they have them in spades with Kemba, Tatum, Hayward, and Smart. So I think they'll be fine in that category as well. Screens. You know, the one thing that people overlook when we talk about screens Big guys aren't the only guys that can set screens on a basketball floor. And I think the Celtics have enough dudes that can set screens. I think Jalen Brown can set screens if he's still on this team when the season tips off. More on that later. I think Marcus Smart can set some screens. I think Enos Cancer can set some screens. Grant Williams. And the list goes on and on and on. Now, are they as good as Horford was? Maybe not. You know, the, the one thing about Horford was he could pop out for three off of the screen. Cantor doesn't really have that ability. So we'll have to wait and see on that. But I think Brad Stevens, his basketball intelligence, and the rest of this team, again, a very smart team, they'll be able to figure it out without utilizing the screens of Al Horford. Finally, the defense on the interior. There's no denying that's going to be an issue. And it is a major issue. If this team rolls into the season with this current roster, they're going to have trouble defending the paint. And they're going to have an awful time defending the pick and roll. Kemba is not the greatest at defending the pick and roll. Now, he does a lot of little things that people will notice. He takes charges. He gets deflections. He gets some steals. But pick and roll defense, I think, is going to be an issue for both Kemba Walker and Enos Cantor. Enos is pretty bad when it comes to pick and roll defense. So that, that big man defense is going to be an issue. Unless you believe that Robert Williams is going to be able to play 30 minutes a night, I don't think that's the case. The Celtics don't go out and sign Enos Cantor if they believe that Williams could be the guy. So their big man defense leaves a lot to be desired. Now let's look at Cantor. Now Cantor to me was as good of an option as you could get with the room level exception. And the Celtics right now, that's what they are operating with. They are operating with the room-level exception. Now, the room-level exception quickly means when a team falls below the salary cap level, once they do that, they lose their ability to use the mid-level exception. Now, it might be a thing here down the road where the Celtics, before the moratorium ends on the 6th, it's a possibility the Celtics can still work out sign-and-trade deals with Kyrie and Horford. They already have that thing lined up, right, with Terry Rozier. So they could still work some sign-and-trade deals and gain that mid-level exception and also possibly pick up a trade exception, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think they're done just yet. But right now, they use the room-level exception on cancer. And that's not a bad option, folks. I'm telling you. I watched a lot of cancer because of my job down here in Virginia Beach and working for the network nationally. I watched a lot of cancer in the postseason. And if you watched Cancer in the postseason, he wasn't that bad defensively. He wasn't bad one-on-one against guys like Jokic. He, he wasn't bad. He held his ground. He's not terrific, 
But when you talk about one-on-one defense in the paint, Cantor held his own. Now, the pick and roll was a disaster. And a lot of the, the broadcast teams highlighted the way that Portland was defending the pick and roll. And that could be coaching. At least part of it definitely is with Terry Stotts. But it also could be they were trying to hide some of the weaknesses of Cantor. You know, Cantor in the pick and roll, as I mentioned, he hasn't been good at all. He tends to sag too low, leaving open jump shots there. Uh, He does not contest. He keeps his hands down low. So he has some fundamental issues defending the pick and roll. I think some of those could be helped out. I think he could develop some of that skill. Now, if you saw the postseason, he looked better defensively than I think he's looked his entire NBA career. Can he carry that over to Boston? That's going to be a major question. The other thing that you witnessed with cancer in the postseason, this dude competes. He was playing with one arm. And and he's out there grabbing rebounds against Jokic. He's out there battling his ass off. He competes. He plays hard, which is something that the Celtics fans are going to love. And again, I think helps the culture of this team. He is a competitor. Now, defensively, the other thing you got to look at, he's a little bit slow on his rotations at times. He gets stuck ball watching. These are all kind of, you know, problems with with Cantor defensively. But if we want to talk about the pros because we understand the cons, again, he competes. He is a very good rebounder. And my goodness, when's the last time we could say that about a Celtic? The Celtics have been god-awful. They've been the drizzling shits when it comes to rebounding. Cantor is going to help that tenfold. This is a guy that is literally one of the best offensive rebounders in the game. He is going to help on the glass, which is something that's been a major weakness for this team. Another major weakness for the Celtics last year was the lack of interior scoring. Yeah, they had Aaron Baines, but he's not a great scorer. They had Horford. Horford hates to bang down low to try to score. We saw that time and time again. How many times did you see Horford get a switch and he'd be in the paint and and he would not actually take the guy who was like 6'5 or under? I mean, just it would it would drive me crazy. And I love Horford. But he would have a small on him or a wing on him, and he wouldn't take advantage. With Enos Cancer, the Celtics now have a guy that could actually score on the block. So instead of jump shot, jump shot, jump shot, which they fell in love with last year, when you need a bucket, you could actually call a play for Cantor with his back to the basket, and he's going to actually score or go to the free throw line. I know, amazing, right? Another thing that Cantor improved upon in the last year or two is his passing. Now, he's not Al Horford, but he can pass the basketball. So I think Cantor is a very good pickup. For the room level exception, he's a guy that I wanted the Celtics to pick up. I wanted the Celtics to pick him up when he was waived by the Knicks last year, and they didn't do it. So I'm an Enos Cancer fan. I understand his weaknesses, but I'm a fan. So right now, with the addition of Cancer, with the addition of Kemba, with Horford leaving, with Kyrie leaving, this is what your current roster looks like. With Rozier, of course, leaving as well, this is what your roster looks like. Your point guards... You've got Kemba, Smart, and Edwards. Your two guards, you've got Brown, Smart, and Romeo Langford. Small forward, you've got Hayward, Ojale, and Grant Williams. Power forward, you've got Tatum, Williams, as in Grant. I think you'll also see Daniel Tice come back to this team. And Gershon Yabusele, more on him in a few minutes. And at center, 
you now have Cantor, Robert Williams, and Tice as your third center. So your starting five is Kemba, Brown, Hayward, Tatum, and Cantor. Not awful. Not bad. I think that team right there currently is probably a four or five seed in the East, depending on how Victor Oladipo comes back. I think the seeds could easily be a three or four seed with the team they have right now in the Eastern Conference. And we'll also see what happens with Kawhi right now as we tape this on Tuesday morning. No word on what Leonard is going to do. Now, my thought when I watched all the TV over the weekend, and my thought even before we got to the weekend, and I mentioned this on the prior podcast, I also tweeted it out at Causeway Podcast. Nick Cattles here with you from ESPN Radio, breaking down the Celtics like only I can. Follow me on Twitter at Nick C Radio. Follow us on Twitter at Causeway Podcast. I tweeted out, as soon as the Kemba thing pretty much became official, I think this is the first step. I don't think the Celtics are done. And I don't necessarily think that cancer means that they're done either. I think the Celtics are working on some more things as I speak right now. And I felt that way Going back to late last week, I felt that way through the weekend. I felt that way yesterday when they signed Cancer. They understand their weaknesses. I don't think the Celtics are done. And then last night, what do I read? Steve Bullpet, my friends. As we say on this podcast all the time, Steve Bullpet, he doesn't mess around. I mean, he, he always has the inside track. When people thought Horford was coming back on Sunday, that, that rumor started to come out. Who was the wet blanket? It was Bullpet. Bullpet tweeted that Horford was not coming back, and he was right. Bullpet has a track record. When he says things, they happen. Here's what Bullpet wrote last night for the Herald. The Celtic roster you see today will not be all that you see in the middle of October. The club is not done making moves. The C's are very active in trying to see what free agents may still shake loose and what kinds of sign-and-trade deals could free up a better chunk of money to attract a large person. The timing of the moves we already know about will have to be sequenced properly to get the maximum benefit. By the time things count, the odds are strong. Again, underline that, put it in bold. By the time things count, the odds are strong. The Celtics will be different. Bullpet is obviously hearing some word throughout the league that the Celtics are going to do something else. Now, whether it's one thing or two things or three things, he's catching that vibe. In Bull Pet, 95% of the time is dead-ass accurate. So if he says the odds are strong that the Celtics are going to make a move and things will be different by the time the season tips off, I'm listening to Steve Bull Pet. Ding-a-ding-a-ding-a-ding. I'm listening to that dude. He knows. He's the Danny Ainge whisperer. He knows. So here are a couple things that wouldn't shock me. I would not be shocked if Jalen Brown is made available. It would not shock me right now that Brown is on the table for some possible deals. I've said that from the very beginning of this podcast for several reasons. Did you see that Jamal Murray extension over the weekend? Yeah. Okay. Do you think the Celtics want to pay Jalen Brown what Murray's making next year? Nope. Do you think Ainge is, is looking at Brown and saying, yeah, I, I want to pay that dude $20 million a year? I don't think he's there yet, and I don't think he's going to be there. When you look at this team, you've got Hayward, you've got Tatum. Do you really want to pay another wing, you know, $20 million? Do you want to have to bend and give Jalen Brown even close to what Jamal Murray just got from Denver? 
I don't think the Celtics are going to want to go that far with Brown on the contract. And Ainge has to be ahead of this thing. I also don't know if Brown, Tatum, and Hayward can actually fit together. That's also a question. And for people giving me this nonstop blah, 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 they wouldn't trade Jalen for Kawhi last year. Why would they trade him for Player X this year? Again, Brown had a couple of years left on his contract last year. The Celtics were coming back from the Eastern Conference Finals, Game 7, adding Hayward and Irving to a team that reached Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals. They had a lot on the line. It was a gigantic risk at that point in time. Dealing Brown now in the right deal, there's a hell of a lot less risk. Brown's on the table. Here's something else I'll tell you. Gershon Yabusele hopefully is renting in the city of Boston. I don't think Yabusele is going to be around much longer. He's got $3.1 million on the books this year. And if Yabu can make a big difference in a trade, like if he's a guy, I'm not saying that the other team will think he's a big difference maker, but if his money, if his $3 million is the difference between the Celtics landing somebody and not landing somebody, Yabusele is gonzo. So I think Yabu is going to get moved as well. I also wouldn't be shocked if Robert Williams gets moved in a deal, depending on what the Celtics could get back. When I look at this roster, I would say Jalen Brown, Yabusele, Robert Williams, and even some of the rookies could be on the table. None of that would surprise me. And finally, let's not forget, even if the Celtics don't make a big-time trade here through various sign-in trades, you can still find an affordable big with the vet minimum. If you're looking for a big right now that can protect the rim, you still have guys out there. Nene is still available on the vet minimum. Noah Vonley could end up being available on the vet minimum. How about JaVale McGee, somebody who Danny Ainge has a history with? Remember, the Celtics tried to sign McGee a couple of years ago, and the deal fell apart. McGee might be available for the vet minimum. Tyson Chandler might be available for the vet minimum. So if the Celtics can't work out any deals to bring in interior defense in a bigger piece, they could still end up having some options on the free agency market once it all dries up. And there's one name that you should keep in mind. And I'm only saying this because Adrian Wojnarowski last night on Scott Van Pelt's Sports Center. Woj said last night with Scott Van Pelt that DeMarcus Cousins might not end up with a room-level exception. Woj said he's, he's not even sure that Cousins could land the room level. If that's true, if that's true, again, that's the premise off of Woj's word. If that's true, you might be able to scoop up Cousins on the veteran minimum this year. If that's the case, yes, I would take that swing. I think that is worth the risk. If he acts like an asshat, you release him or you trade him. For the vet minimum, I think you bring in Cousins. I know he's a disaster defensively. He wouldn't help defensively. But that dude's talent, his ceiling, you know, you take the swing. When it's a vet minimum deal, you take that swing. That's what I would say. If Cousins is out there for the vet men, I'd take him. All right, so if those things that I just mentioned are true, Jalen Brown, Yabusele, Robert Williams, maybe even some of the picks are on the table. If that's true... What could the Celtics get? And I spent a lot of time last night looking at the options. 
I looked at a lot of the bigs that could be available. I literally went team by team by team. I looked at the 29 other teams in the NBA to try to figure out what fits, what makes sense, why those other teams would be looking to deal a big, okay? So these are the possible bigs available by trade. There are 10 teams to look at. So literally, one-third of the league could work with the Celtics on a deal right now. That would bring a big back to Boston. Now, some of these would need assistance from Brooklyn and Philadelphia. Again, some of these would need the assistance of a sign-and-trade deal for Kyrie and a sign-and-trade deal for Horford. So keep that in mind. And you would likely have to send picks to Brooklyn and Philly so they would help you out because you're in the same conference, you're in the same division, so it's likely they would ask for something. Here we go. Kevin Love in Cleveland. I think Love is available. I don't think he's a fit. Defensively, he's atrocious. He's got a big-time contract. But Kevin Love, I think, could be had in the right deal. Let's go to Detroit. Andre Drummond, I think, could be had for the right deal. He's on a big contract. It would take lots of creativity to make it work. Various sign and trades, etc. I think it's unlikely. Toronto, if Kawhi leaves, if Kawhi leaves, Marcus Gasol, Serge Ibaka, both on one-year deals, both bigs, both defend pretty damn well, I could see Gasol or Ibaka being an option for the Celtics if Kawhi leaves. Again, the money is tough. They both make more than $20 million a year. They've got one year left on the deal. But you likely wouldn't have to give up a ton to Masai Ujiri to bring one of those guys back because Toronto, I think, is going to start a rebuild if Kawhi bounces. So pay attention to Toronto. I've mentioned this before. Indiana, DeMontis Sabonis. With Miles Turner there, with them drafting Goga Batazzi, I think it's possible that Sabonis could be available. Now, I don't know if it works anymore for the Celtics because my prior idea was Jalen Brown for Sabonis. They went out, they signed Malcolm Brogdon and gave up picks. They also added Jeremy Lamb. So with that in mind, you've got Victor Oladipo coming back. Are the Pacers that hard up for a wing? If they think it's an upgrade, maybe. Maybe. You know, if you're asking me about Miles Turner, because I also think Sabonis, he's more of a four than a five. And I also understand that he's not the greatest defensive player. So there are some questions with Sabonis. Offensively, the dude would be a perfect fit for Steven's system. Miles Turner, is he available? I don't know. I'll tell you this. If Turner is available, I think you got to give up a ton. That dude is legit. He can knock down the three ball. He blocks shots. He rebounds. He's young. He's, he's signed to a contract, so he's cost-controlled. If you're looking at Turner... You better get funky, (laughs) because if not, you're not getting him. Then you could go to Atlanta. Here's a name, rather cheap, Alex Len. Len had a good season last year for the Hawks. He's a big guy. He can stretch the floor. I don't think he's going to be on the block, though, because Atlanta, they have him for cheap money. He played 20 minutes a game last year, and I think he's he's a big-time help to John Collins. So I, I think they will end up keeping Len. If not, if he's available, pay attention. Another name, Willie Cauley-Stein, Sacramento. Uh, he wants out, and he is going to be out. They just signed Dwayne Dedman to a contract over the weekend, or at least agreed to the parameters. So Willie Cauley-Stein is absolutely available. 
you might be able to work a, a sign and trade deal with Sacramento being a part of it and bringing Cauley Stein in as part of, of a trade exception or whatever you can work out. Again, there's a lot of machinations that can work. Cauley Stein, you would need some of that to be in play. I would not trade Jalen Brown for Willie Cauley Stein if you're asking me. Thanks, but no thanks. So those are some options, okay? Kevin Love, Drummond, Gasol, Ibaka, Sabonis, maybe Turner. I doubt it. Len, Cauley Stein. There are still four guys left. And I think these four guys might be, might be the most likely to be a Boston Celtic by July 6th. Okay? Here are the names. Steven Adams. Oklahoma City is kind of stuck right now. And they've got George, they've got Westbrook, they've got Adams. Adams is locked into a contract. I think it's about $25 million. I think he's got two years left. Does Oklahoma City want to get off of that money? If they want to get off of that money, you could do that. Now, you would have to get very creative. Again, we're talking trade exceptions and signing trade deals and a, a, a lot of funkiness, a lot of flim flam. Uh, but if you could get creative, Steven Adams is the perfect fit. Oh, is he the perfect fit? And let's remember, he and Cancer played alongside each other at Oklahoma City. I mean, he, he's the perfect fit. He's the defensive big. He's the rebounding big. You want to talk about culture? That dude is Aaron Baines times 10 when it comes to personality and leadership. And he has a little bit of offensive game inside as well. So Steven Adams is somebody to keep an eye on. We've heard this name an awful lot. And I would not be surprised if he's still in play because Daryl Morey is always looking. Clint Capella. I would not be surprised if Capella is still on the table. It's possible. Now, if I was Houston and what I think they're going to do, I would run it back. But again, Maury is different. I look at it from the outside looking in and say, hey, you lost out on Jimmy Butler. He went to Miami. Just try to run it back and make a run w- with that team right now. But Maury might think differently. And Maury might be looking at Jalen Brown saying, well, I think Jalen Brown could bring more to this team than Capella does. And Brown is younger. And we can sign Brown to an extension right now. And we can walk into our future with CP3, Harden, and Brown. It's a wing league. It's a, it's a guard league, et cetera, et cetera. I think Capella is still possible. And if he is, it would probably take Jalen Brown, Yabu Sele, and Robert Williams. If that's too much for you, then you would say no. But I think if you offered Brown, Yabu Sele, and Williams... I then think the door opens up for Houston to offer you a couple of first-round picks or at least one first-round pick and another pick. So keep an eye on Capella. And depending on the sign-and-trade and all that stuff, how it works out, it's not crazy to think the Celtics could possibly rope Eric Gordon in as part of that, part of that trade too. Now, I don't think that would happen, but it's possible. So pay attention to Clint Capella. Now, a couple of names not a lot of people have talked about. This is kind of sneaky under the radar. Aaron Gordon in Orlando. Watch out for Gordon. If you remember back to Gordon's draft, there was a lot of smoke surrounding Gordon and how much the Celtics and Danny Ainge loved Aaron Gordon. Keep an eye on him. Now, why would Orlando want to deal him? Because they got a ton of bigs. I mean, they got bigs for days. They got Mo Bamba. They got Jonathan Isaac. They just signed Nikola Vucevic to a contract extension. 
I mean, they got bigs for days. And they, they drafted big dudes too. So there's only so much room for bigs. Now, now maybe Orlando thinks they could play Gordon at the three. I don't know. But I would keep an eye on Gordon. Orlando is very, very deep in the big man category. Now, I would not trade Marcus Smart. That's maybe who Orlando would be looking at. If you don't deal Smart, then you, again, be looking at a convoluted deal that would include picks and and trade exceptions and this guy or that guy. I think it's unlikely, but watch out for Aaron Gordon. That could be a name on the list. And my final guy, and I know some people would want to burn the village down if this happened, Dwight Howard. Now listen to me. Hold on, hold on. Before you lose your shit, listen. Give me a minute here, okay? I'm not a big Dwight Howard fan. I'm not. I'm not. I've never been a big Dwight Howard fan. If you want to talk about culture, DH12, quote-unquote, is not the guy who brings culture. But here's the argument for it. Howard is dirt-ass cheap. He's making just over $5 million. You could literally ship Yabu Sele and some BS pick to Washington to bring Howard back. Now, would you be willing to give up Yabu Sele for Dwight Howard? I would. What is Yabu Sele going to do for you? I mean, honestly. And maybe I'm missing the boat on that dude, but he looks like a wasted pick. So Howard would come very, very, very cheap. What does he do best? He blocks shots. He rebounds. He sets screens. It's exactly what you need. And finally, let's not forget, Howard played with Kemba. And maybe one of the only guys that Howard got along with in the league when he played with him was Kemba Walker. So if you have some inside knowledge that Kemba could work with Dwight and Kemba tells Ainge, I think he'll be fine, then watch out for Dwight Howard. He's, he's, at, he's at a low cost, and he addresses the needs and the weaknesses that you have right now. So that's it. I mean, there are some moves to make. The most likely guys that could end up being Celtics, aside from the dudes that they might sign on the vet men, maybe DeMarcus Cousins is available, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, Nene, Vonley, McGee, Chandler. Keep an eye on Steven Adams. Keep an eye on Clint Capella. Keep an eye on Aaron Gordon. And keep an eye on Dwight Howard. I don't think the C's are done. That'll do it. Cattle's on Causeway. Follow us on Twitter at Causeway Podcast. Follow me personally on Twitter at Nick C Radio. Everybody, enjoy your 4th of July. Once this crazy offseason period wraps up, we will be back. We'll take a look at what the Celtics did. Once the moratorium is wrapped up, we'll figure out what they might do. I'm going on vacation for about a week, a week and a half. I plan on coming back and doing a podcast right away. So as always, thanks for joining us. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell every Celtics fan you know about this podcast, Cattles on Causeway. Thanks to Kyle Hightower, my executive producer. Until next time, deuces.